Hello, and welcome to How Do You Drew? This is a Drew Barrymore podcast brought to you by thedrewzium.com. And sponsored by our friends at Positive Medium. I'm Anne. And I'm Ashley. Boop, boop. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that is. That's my 50th episode sound. And mine, I guess I did mine too. (laughs) (laughs) Little little trumpets of victory or something. I don't know. (laughs) Welcome to episode 50 of How Do You Drew? We're off to a great start, by the way. (laughs) Yes. So pro. All right, let's get into it. We have a lot to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Okay. I just want to tell you about my new favorite podcast. Okay. I'm I'm ready. Tell me about it. It's called Movies That Made Us Gay. I am totally obsessed with it. So the reason I found it is because they had just released an episode about Ever After. And like, I was kind of just like, oh, I bet that's fun. And then as I started sort of browsing their feed, I was like, oh my gosh, Drew movies are all over the place in here. So I actually made a list in order Okay. Their first one that they ever did was Never Been Kissed. And I think it was like their 20th episode. And now they're over 200. Nice. Yeah. They did Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, Poison Ivy, Scream, Donnie Darko. And then I guess also a Batman Forever episode. I haven't listened to that one, but I've listened to the others. Nice. These guys are so great. Um, I think their names are Pete and Scott. I will double check that. It is so refreshing. They just know their stuff. They know their stuff so well. Like when they were doing, I think the first one I listened to was the full throttle episode Uh and they just knew so much stuff about it and it was so accurate and correct. And like, they know where things were filmed and they know, you know, Robin Anton is the choreographer of the Pussycats. It's like things that I was just like, cause usually I'm that annoying nerd. That's like screaming at the radio, like wrong, that's wrong. And this time I was like, oh my gosh. They You're like, know? that's right. And that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I cannot wait to listen to these. Yeah. The Donnie Darko one that I think like the first 20 minutes of it, they just spent talking about Drew and realizing that they'd done a bunch of episodes on her and oh. doing like trivia on her. It was so, it's so great. And I reached out to them. We've connected and yeah. maybe we'll do some sort of collapse sometime in the future. That'd be really fun. Ooh, very cool. Yeah. So I want to give them a big shout out. I'm again, it's called Movies That Made Us Gay. Apparently I'm a gay guy because I totally feel like I fit in <laughs> with these two. Like they are, they are my guys. You and our friend Drew are also secretly <laughs> gay men. Like, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, even the movies that aren't Drew movies, there's so many that I'm like, oh my God. Like even ones, weird ones from my childhood, like so many of my movies. So that's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, now I can't wait to look at their like roster of episodes. Oh yeah. So cool. Have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it looks like we've got some new Drew loves. I love love. Yeah, our segment is returned. Woohoo! Here we go. Okay, Drew loves wearing both hats, and by that she means creative and business. Okay, yeah, I feel like she's kind of said that for years. Yep. She loves the term hard launch. (laughs) (laughs) What? You know, have you heard that? It's like soft launch is like when you don't really tell people that you're in this relationship, and a hard launch is when you like post on Instagram, here's my new man, or whatever. It's very, I don't know, something about that. I don't really like it. It's a little raunchy sounding. I don't know. All right. Okay, um, what else? And then the rest of these come from the fall issue of Drew Magazine, which we'll talk about a little bit. She loves how designers make everything look so finished. She loves a drapey silk blouse. 
I feel like she does wear a lot of those. <laughs> um, she loves exhibition posters. Ooh, me too. Uh-huh. That's a good one. And she also loves round ball knobs. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> it is good, but I like that like out of context. Yeah. Like <laughs> some of these are the best when they're out of context, right? Absolutely. I mean, is that part of what makes it so fun? <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. So it looks like we've also got a Druism of the week. So what did you pull out for us? You know, those cool little isms that we do. Okay. Also from uh, the new issue of Drew Magazine in the Dear Drew section, someone asked her what she likes about being single. Mm -hmm. And Drew said, not trying to bend myself into a pretzel, hoping that it's even the right shape to begin with. It's oh, a, love a lovely that. little metaphor. <laughs> it's not as like gross as some of the other Druisms, but, but once again, it's got the visual. Actually, the visual. It is a little weird, like bending your entire body into a pretzel. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if you'd be alive anymore. <laughs> it's a good one. I like That's it. That's kind of the point. I mean, it's yep. great. I, I love it. Absolutely. Okay. And then another segment that we love. <laughs> You've got mail. Oh, this is really cool. I really like this one. I'm so excited to share this. Yes. So randomly out of nowhere, which these are kind of some of our favorites when it like we obviously love support from the people who already know us. But when somebody who doesn't comes to us and finds the pod, it's really exciting. So yes. um, this is a message we got from Yolanda and Yolanda left this comment on the How Do You Drew page for the Rolling Stone 1995 episode. I think that was number three. Cool. Okay. I will start with the beginning of it. She said, Hey, you two. I just found your podcast yesterday. I'm so bummed. I just now discovered it, but also excited that I have a year's worth of content to catch up on. It's so fun to imagine oh my God. someone cool. doing that. I know. You two exude Drew qualities to me. Both sound sweet, positive, and funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um, and then she said, I can go into my fan history with Drew, maybe in an email. Yes, please do. Please just, we want to hear it. Like and yes. if, you, if you're cool with us sharing it, like I totally want to hear it. Um, I'll read the last rest of the comment now. She said, but I wanted to at least comment on this episode because this Rolling Stone magazine marks the time period, which I owned at that point when it was released. Rolling Stone was my favorite magazine back in the 90s when I truly became a prolific fan of hers. I was always a fan of Drew, it seems, especially since I'm three years younger than her. I feel like I grew up with her. However, this magazine interview really made an impression on me. It was just so well done in getting to know her and catching up with where she was in, in her life at that moment. Yep. It marks the time period my love of Drew and being a fan went to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's awesome. I love to be able to identify those things. I know. And then she says, I'm so looking forward to binge listening to your podcast. Loving it so far. I feel like I found my long lost people. Ha <laughs> ha. Hugs. That's like. I don't, I mean, maybe my favorite communication we've ever gotten. I don't know. I really love it. <laughs> she like compliments us like deeply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did find your people like this is yeah. it's clear from this comment. So please, you know, let us know how you're enjoying it since you have a lot of content to go back on. Although she may not hear this for like another year if she's catching up. <laughs> but Yolanda, when you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes. reach out to us in an email. Yeah, please do. How do you drew pod at gmail.com? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Always plug in that. Yeah. Okay. So what did you pull out for this week in Drew history? Oh, this is kind of a fun one. And I came about this in a weird way. I don't, I didn't even tell you the backstory. Okay. 
you know, I just, I searched the dates in our uh, records yep. and I came across September 2nd, 2017. And all it said was commercial and Los Feliz. And I was like, what is that? So I click on it and I didn't even remember we had these pictures and videos, but these <laughs> are from Drew doing the Dear Drew commercial and photo shoot. And like, we didn't even have these filed with the Dear Drew Oh my stuff. gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think we just didn't know what it was at the time. Yep. And then found out like a while later. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, wait, now I'm see. curious when, when the commercial was released. Um, what? I think I want to say like only a couple months later, I think November, but you can see Mark Seliger in some of the pictures. I'm like, how did we miss? <laughs> like, we just didn't know what we were doing. I don't oh know. Oh my God. I mean, it must've been a time when like you were at least somewhat regularly saving pictures. Because, oh yeah, definitely. You no, know? I'm sure I found all these on social media. Yeah. And then it's fun. It's got her doggy Lucy's and some of the photos Aww. and I, you know, I love location hunting. So there were a lot of like distinct addresses and storefronts in the background. We'll link yeah. to the commercial if you guys aren't familiar with it. So I was able to really quickly find where it was in Los Feliz. Like I said, that was in our description. So yeah. it's on um, Vermont Avenue and it's really fun because literally steps away from where these, uh, where this commercial happened yeah. is where I saw Donnie Darko when it was released, the same movie theater. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You can even see the marquee of the movie theater in some of the um, promotional photos. So I thought that oh. was really like really special. It's right by um, Fred 62 as well. Oh yeah. Very we took cool. pictures there once. I remember because yes. we had been there. <laughs> yes, we did. And I don't know if we already said it, but this is a very darling commercial. Oh like, yeah. That we have all this background information, but like, if you haven't seen it, like Ashley said, we'll link to it, but Oh my gosh. And we just have to, you know, just like we did in our brands episode, we just have to like pour out a beer for a dear Drew. Cause <laughs> let's pour out some uh, very more wine. Cause that's also oh, gone. Oh my God. Yeah. Go back and listen to the more brands. If you want to know about some of the companies Drew had that are no longer RIP. Or some that are still active yes. and you know, are still <laughs> making new stuff. Like True. this is a great segue to the next segment. So tell me what's new with Drew. Nicely done. <laughs> so as we've mentioned a couple times already, the new fall issue of Drew Mag is out. We got ours a week early because we are subscribers. And that was an mm -hmm. awesome surprise for both of us to find in our mailboxes. So if you're not a subscriber, get on it. There's really like you don't pay shipping. It's it's great. Yeah, totally. And also, if you didn't see for if for some reason you're not following us on Instagram, we did a little live where we went through the magazine. And that was kind of fun. We saved it on our at Drusium page. So check that out. Good call. Cool. So tell me about the issue a little bit. It's called the design issue. So it's very themed to design, which we all know Drew is pretty much obsessed with. Yeah. Um, the cover is by photographer Jennifer Livingston, who has mm -hmm. worked with Drew quite a few times in the past few years. Um, yep. Most notably, I would say would be the Cherry Bomb photo shoot with her and Pilar that we love so much. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Yeah. Also, in the magazine, I was very excited about this as somebody who like has a new place of my own that has space. <laughs> there are some new beautiful home items, like a couch, which you said you were kind of stoked on. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely waiting for that to show up. Yes. Uh, a coffee table, uh, a blanket, which I don't think I noticed, um, a bookshelf and some wall art. I love the bookshelf so much. Yeah, it's huge. And it's like very affordable. 
Yeah. Then there's also a new water filtration pitcher, which seems so random, but like, why not? <laughs> I know. I felt like you'd be into that for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also there's a new website that's supposed to be coming soon by drew.com. It doesn't appear to be up yet, but I can't wait to see what they do with that. All right. So what else? Okay. Um, also a few days ago, singer actress Renee Rapp did a conversation with Drew put on by an organization called 92NY and -hmm. it was in person in New York obviously Uh (laughs) and then or you could watch it online and uh, somebody hooked us up with a video of it so we were able to watch it but (laughs) cool so this actress she was on secret or is on the secret lives of college girls and that cast came on the Drew Barrymore show last season so I think that like kind of like connected and during the talk Drew actually said the two of them are collaborating on some fun things so I don't know what that's gonna be interesting yeah Drew is just mostly just interviewing her but this was something I thought was fun and so relatable for me I've literally said this recently so Drew was talking (laughs) about um instead of doom scrolling the news or uh, social media she doom scrolls her calendar gosh and that she has to take it one day at a time. And I was actually saying that recently, like, I can't even look ahead to like the next three days. I just need to go one day at a time and like know where the baby's going and know what Mila has to go do. <laughs> so I just, it made me laugh. Like your comment about this made me laugh because I just looked at my calendar after like a heavy week of yeah. work and I was like seeing it clear up and uh. I was like, now that's a good feeling. Oh, like I was like, <laughs> things are clearing and it's going to be fall here soon. Like I'm just, anyway, I'm just, I'm just getting us completely off the topic. Um, anyway, I know at some point in the show, there was an interruption that a lot of people are talking about on the internet. We're not going to really give that any attention, by that's the way. That's exactly how, wow, we didn't even discuss this ahead of time, but no. that was literally what I was going to say. We don't want to give this any attention. So if you guys don't know, you can Google it. You can message us, whatever, but we're not going to give any attention to this crap because it's stupid and sucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's move on. All right. Yeah. What else? Okay. So there is a book coming out. It is from the publishers of this really great series called Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls that I I have both the first two books, I got them for Milo when she was younger. And I remember always feeling like, oh, I wish Drew was featured in this. Well, there's a new book coming out that's called Dear Rebel. And it features 145 trailblazing women sharing their best advice for the girls of today through letters, poems, and essays. And oh. Drew is included in that. So that'll oh be gosh. fun to see. I know I'll probably get it for Mila. It sounds great. Yeah, totally. Anything Drew writes where we love. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely excited to read what it says. Okay. Yes. And then the very last thing is that I just did a little looking around on the Drew Barrymore show website to see... Mm-hmm. You know, when they're having audience members come back to start taping. And I noticed that the first show starts on September 11th. And so we are really close to the show coming back. Absolutely. When are we meeting in New York? I know. (laughs) I know. Truly, like. Uh, When can you fit it on your calendar? (laughs) (laughs) As soon as the show reaches out and offers, I will be there. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. As soon as they want to feature us in the pod, we're there. (laughs) Hint, hint. We know you're listening. (laughs) Okay. So now for our weekly topic. 
we were thinking, hey, what if some people who listen to this are new fans, right? We kind of take for granted that everybody knows Drew's entire life story, but Mm -hmm. that's definitely not the case. Like a lot of people are surprised to find out about her struggles in the past, or, Mm -hmm. you know, they just have a weird idea of what her childhood was like and it's inaccurate. And we do our year in review episodes, which we love, but we thought, why don't we just do the entire biography of Drew because we've already written it. (laughs) Yep. So this is something that has been part of the Drewzam.com for a long time. Then we just wrapped up the most recent chapter. And Ashley, you've noticed that like the traffic on our website tends to fall in some of these biography pages. So yeah, that's definitely an interest. And I feel like what's really cool about the way ours is written is that it's compiled from many, many sources. Oh yeah. There are, you know, there are those, I'm just thinking of like some of the biographers that were on some like shows. I know exactly who you're thinking of. (laughs) Yes. And you know, we just always kind of would like giggle a little bit, even that early on in our, in our fandom, just about some of the like little mistakes and we take pride in being accurate. So (laughs) we feel like, you know, we, like we've called this information we worked really hard on it. So we're going to just read you our biography. Hopefully it's interesting enough. We're not a scripted <laughs> show normally, but this is part of scripted. I'm sure we'll keep like interjecting things here and there. Yes. Okay. So now we're just literally, if you want to read along, go to our website, go to the biography section. And I'm starting at 1975 to 1980. So literally Drew's birth. Chapter one. Yes, chapter one in our book. (laughs) Drew Blythe Barrymore was born at 11.51 a.m. on February 22nd, 1975 at the Brotman Medical Center in Culver City, California. Her mother, Ildiko Jade Mako, was a struggling actress who also worked side jobs at places like the legendary Troubadour. Her father, John Drew Barrymore Jr., was a member of the illustrious Barrymore acting family, Jade left Drew's father before she was born due to his alcohol and drug use and abusive behavior. From birth, Jade and Drew lived alone in a small West Hollywood duplex. The absence of a father in the home would impact much of Drew's childhood and adolescence. Good start. (laughs) So jumping back generations before the Drew we know and love was born, a famous acting family bore the names Drew, Blythe, and Barrymore as their surnames dating all the way back to the 1880s. And I think that might be not far enough. I think it's the early 1800s. I think we need oh, to okay. check that. I think I yeah. noticed that recently. Anyway, um, there's a great history of acting in her family. And that was one of the reasons that Drew's mother was attracted to John Drew Barrymore when they first met. And some of the most well-known Barrymores were the three siblings, Lionel, Ethel, and John Barrymore, a.k.a. the Great Profile. Drew's father was the only son of John, and although he dabbled in acting a bit, he didn't follow in his family footsteps as closely. Drew always felt connected to the family she'd never met, especially her grandfather. Mm-hmm. The great profile. The very more profile. He goes. He goes, yeah. What the hell I'm supposed to be looking at? I don't know. I love that so much. So good. As an easygoing baby with a natural gift in front of the camera, Jade's friends often suggested she try to get Drew into acting as well. Jade was hesitant, but eventually took 11-month-old Drew on an audition for a Gainsburger puppy food commercial. I love how Drew always says chow. Yeah. (laughs) Puppy chow commercial. At the audition, the puppy bit little Drew on the nose. Instead of crying, she burst into laughter, and the part was immediately hers. And I love, again, how Drew goes, 
you're hired. You're hired. <laughs> Everyone goes, oh my God, lawsuit. No. <laughs> it's a legendary story. Yes, it is. Okay, so Jade continued to resist getting Drew involved in Hollywood, supposedly, until <laughs> a friend of hers was directing a TV movie called Suddenly Love and wanted Drew to play the main character's child. So a two-year-old Drew threw herself into the role, which was actually that of a boy. So she's really stretching those acting limbs already. <laughs> um, around age four, an eerily aware Drew told her mother that acting was what she wanted to do, even though she knew it would be hard. And Aww. that there's that clip that um, she posted or her social media posted recently where it's from like 1984 and she's going, no, I want to be an actress. And my mom said, go take a nappy. No, I want to be an actress. I want to. <laughs> I don't remember the go take a nappy. <laughs> okay, go take a nappy. Jade listened to her, and yep. Drew's career became the family priority. Mm. So just think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, she went on to a few more bit parts and commercials and the TV movie Bogey. And then she made her feature film debut with a small role as William Hurt's daughter in 1980s Altered States. And that's a strange, like, science fiction movie. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I need to rewatch it. Yeah. Drew's part is, like, teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny. Yeah, I have think I've only seen it once, and it is super trippy, but uh, it could be fun to revisit. Yeah, but it's, like, a movie that I feel like I've seen reference, and every time mm -hmm. I am, I'm like, Drew's in that movie. <laughs> like, out of little. context. Yes. <laughs> okay, so are we ready for chapter two? Yes, I believe so. Let me click the link. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, get queued up for 1981 <laughs> to 1985. Oh, things are really going to start cooking here. Here we go. <laughs> in 1981, Drew auditioned for the role of Carol Ann in Poltergeist. She lost out on the role, but the film's producer, Steven Spielberg, asked her to come back to read the role of the other project, E.T., the extraterrestrial. <laughs> Maybe she's right for E.T. <laughs> I just turned into little Drew. I know, you really did. <laughs> Please, let me say that over so it's no, clearer. No, <laughs> no. Leave it. Keep going. Okay. Drew's wild imagination and bubbly personality were exactly what they were looking for in the character of the little sister, Gertie. Drew landed the part and filming began, which she still considers the best experience of her life. Mm. On the set, especially from Steven, Drew found the acceptance she'd long been aching for. When the film was released in the summer of 1982, it became the highest grossing film of all time. Drew became a celebrity literally overnight. Ugh, so wild. Yeah, I mean, totally wild. Like all of this. Seven years old. <laughs> I mean, I can picture like that thing of her standing outside of the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last time it was around the block. Oh, that's right. I'm glad you remember the lines exactly and you can <laughs> recite them exactly in her voice. It's really, it's really handy. It's a weird talent. <laughs> Unprepared but excited for this change, she went on a whirlwind pub publicity tour around the globe, charming everyone wherever she went. She even hosted Saturday Night Live at the tender age of seven, making her the youngest host in the show's history, a record she still holds to this day. And this, like, it's like, it was the highest grossing movie of all the time. And then she was the youngest person to host Saturday Night Live. Like, I come know. on. <laughs> That's a lot to happen in your first couple of years of your life. <laughs> so crazy to really even try to imagine. Plus you have yes. to, like, we'll get into it, but you have to put in perspective that she had, like, no support system. Like, her mom was her mom and her dad is totally out of the picture. And yep. 
I mean, Steven Spielberg was like the first kind of adult who was a good influence on her. It's just wild. And I think this is like also showing like she's capable, not that. Yeah. You know, she was just part of E.T.'s success, but still like, I don't know. There's something about like, she was funny on Saturday Night Live. You know, like it wasn't, (laughs) I don't know. It wasn't just this cute little kid. Anyway, you know, she, we knew she was special. Not we. (laughs) the world the public <laughs> yes exactly. I was only a, a baby so I didn't know <laughs> yes, I wasn't born yet but I knew <laughs> from wherever you were watching <laughs> yes all right so coming back to reality was a whole <laughs> other story as we just alluded yeah. to yes at school her classmates treated her differently due to her new fame and she endured endless teasing her mother Jade decided to give up her own acting career to become Drew's full-time manager Although Drew was happy to spend more time with her mom, this new role would create confusion and difficulties in their relationship. And she also had a few painful and abusive encounters with her father, but that didn't stop her from constantly seeking his love. So there you go. Wow. That wraps up a lot of trauma right there. I know. One little paragraph. And little Drew and the picture we have next to that paragraph on our page. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very great. I know. Why is Jade this like glamorous? Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do want to just interject something about that. Yeah. Um, When Drew had Brooke Shields on, Drew was kind of commenting on the fact that Brooke's mom used to appear in like every interview with her. And Drew was like, yeah, my mom didn't do that. Oh. But she did show up in a lot of photo shoots in the early days like this. So that's interesting. Drew's next film was Irreconcilable Differences. It was a tense and argument-ridden shoot. Afterwards, she questioned if she wanted to continue making movies, although she would receive a Golden Globe nomination for her performance. Which is crazy. <laughs> I, totally crazy. There we go. Like another thing, like she's a kid. <laughs> yeah. When the, when the opportunity arose to star in the film adaptation of Stephen King's Firestarter, which was one of Drew's favorite books, her interest in acting was reignited. <laughs> I like that. Ah, see what we did there? (laughs) (laughs) During filming in North Carolina, she became close friends with her stand-in, Jennifer Ward. Drew spent most of the summer with the Wards. She loved having a dad and brother around and feeling like she was part of a family. Having to leave them at the end of the shoot was yet another case of her getting close to people, only to be torn away from them. Thankfully, the following summer... She would return to film Cat's Eye, which King Taylor made for Drew. At Firestarter's rap party, Drew bet a few crew members that she could down two glasses of champagne. Uh-oh. She passed out, and Jade told her to stay away from alcohol, but Drew would continue to seek the thrill she experienced from it. Uh-oh. We're getting to a little bit of dark stuff, y'all. Yep, things are turning. Trigger warning for drugs and alcohol. Yep. Okay, so back home, school became more and more difficult for Drew. She and Jay began to go out to parties and clubs several times a week where she felt confident and like part of the crowd. You know, everybody's like, oh, Drew Barrymore, come on in. And, you know, totally different. And then comparatively, school was boring and restrictive. Hmm. The relentless teasing by her classmates and sometimes even teachers added to the mix only fueled her quest for ways to escape. Drew began smoking cigarettes. And this is at age nine, I believe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or 10, and easily hid the habit from her mother. The few times Jade caught her, Drew would be grounded, but then an event would come up, suddenly giving her permission to go out. It was becoming (laughs) clear to Drew all of the things she could get away with. Drinking, smoking, clubbing, and boys all became ways for Drew to feel older and accepted. 
And thanks to a friend's mom, marijuana use was quickly added to the repertoire at age 10. (laughs) 10. I always love the word repertoire at the end of that chapter. (laughs) We got got away with words. We got (laughs) drinking, smoking, clubbing, and boys. And now we got (laughs) marijuana. We got it. We got to make light of it where we can because, man, that is just mind blowing. I truly cannot wrap my head around that. Yeah, totally. Okay, now navigate to chapter three of our website if you're following along. We're at 1986 to 1990, and here we go. Drew had reached an awkward stage, and her career slowed down. Eventually, she landed the lead in the TV movie Babes in Toyland, which was filmed in Germany. Being back on a movie set made her feel confident, and she didn't use quite as much, meaning drugs, alcohol. However, she had a big blowout with her mom when Jade would not allow her to travel to Vienna with Rod Stewart's tour crew. (laughs) By the way, we get a lot of traffic from people searching Drew Barrymore, Rod Stewart. I don't know why. What? I know. I see it a lot. That is very strange. (laughs) And I think there's a chapter in Wildflower about it. So it's possible people are like wanting to learn more. Or see pictures or something. Or they end up here and they're like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. As Drew began to see her mother as an obstacle to her partying, their relationship began to deteriorate. Back home, Drew was enrolled in sixth grade at Cal Prep. <laughs> sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I just like went past it. Like, yeah, that's right. Not even thinking twice. Jeez. Oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. A private school, which taught classes up to the 12th grade. She instantly fell in with the older students, which meant mobility because they could drive and easier access to drugs and alcohol. And you can just imagine these like 17, 18 year olds like, hey, yeah, famous kid, come hang out with us. You you can party like you're yeah. hang. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She probably had money too. Oh, yeah. You know, not to say Drew wasn't cool for many other reasons, right. but you know, when it comes to kids doing drugs, like, you know, access. Yeah. I guess I know. I don't really know, but... <laughs> I don't really either. (laughs) Write in if you know about that. (laughs) At the beginning of 1988, Drew and Jade went to New York so Drew could film See You in the Morning. The distance between them was increased further as Drew spent all of her time off work going to clubs and hanging out with an older crowd, including a serious boyfriend. I don't even want to know how old he was. Um, Drew had been wanting to try cocaine and back in LA at her school's prom, she finally got the opportunity. Immediately, she was hooked. I know. 12. She was 12. One night that June, Drew was out getting wasted with friends when she decided she didn't want her mother to be in the house. So she called Jade and demanded she get out. (laughs) like younger than Mila oh my god when Drew returned home to find Jade still there she went on a rampage Jade had finally reached the end of her rope and reached out to a friend whose daughter one of Drew's former partying pals had recently Mm. been through rehab they came over and Drew was taken to the ASAP treatment center in Van Nuys and now we're getting into a lot of the stuff that's in Little Girl Lost which we will do an episode on um, at some point but 
Um, that's probably a lot of where we got some of this information. Oh yeah, probably most of it. <laughs> yeah. Drew was extremely resistant to treatment at first, but slowly she started to engross herself in the program. After a few weeks, she left to film far from home and was able to remain sober during the shoot. However, after returning for only a few short days, a trip to New York was made for an audition and a loop dialogue on See You in the Morning. While there, Drew went back to her old ways and when offered to coke, she gave in. Once her sobriety was broken, she didn't see a reason to stop. Drew and her friend bought more cocaine, stole Jade's credit card to use at their disposal, and took a plane to LA with plans to fly to Hawaii the next day. Oh my God. It's so insane, all of it. After a coke-fueled shopping spree and car crash, private investigators hired by Jade caught up with them and took Drew back to ASAP. That's uh, that part in biorhythm that's like, is there a doctor in the house? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't <laughs> remember exactly, but in I'm the house craving. of pancakes. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking? I don't remember, but who is it? Because I, I feel like it's butthole surfers. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, and it's like everything's all like crazy and they're like showing like a plane taking off. And <laughs> anyway, if you guys don't know biorhythm, get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Drew went back and forth with her progress and treatment. There were breakthroughs and setbacks, but this time she really committed to being sober. Issues with her self-esteem, absent father, and manager mother were all explored. At the end of the year, she was finally given her discharge date, only to have the story broken in the press by the National Enquirer, which is just Ugh. awful. She's so young. Like, God. Yeah. And at that time, like, it's kind of crazy to imagine because we have social media now. Mm. So, like, if something came out, like some event that was quote unquote newsworthy, it would be all over the place all at once. But like people got that kind of like rag mag stuff, like yeah. National fire, like this is exactly where all that stuff would break. And it was like, you don't even know what was real, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so Drew was angry, of course, but she decided the best thing to do was to come forward and tell her story herself and hoped it would help other young people struggling with similar issues. Once released from rehab, Drew decided to move out of her mom's house and live with a friend. She worked odd jobs to pay her bills. Like, please think about that for a minute. She is yeah. not like some rich Nepo baby. <laughs> yep. Um, she tried to live a normal life, but things quickly went downhill. She had quietly broken her sobriety twice by smoking pot. And the strain of keeping the secret was too much for her to handle. And I'm just going to uh. put a trigger warning in here for suicide. On the 4th of July, 1989, she was alone and deeply depressed. She attempted to reach out to her mom without luck. And in a final desperate cry for help and attention, she slashed her wrist with a kitchen knife and was once again taken back to ASAP. She said that that was just like, again, as we said here, a cry for attention. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't know. We weren't there. We can't be in her mind. But that's sort of what she said after the fact. Still, it's like so dark, you know, (laughs) like all of this. And she's so young. This time, there was no messing around and no leaving for filming. Jade underwent her own treatment for her codependency and inability to have a functioning mother-daughter relationship with Drew. Telling her story had been so cathartic that Drew decided to write her autobiography, Little Girl Lost. Once released from rehab, she lived with her sponsor, Jan Dance, and her husband, David Crosby, for three months. Rest in peace. He just passed away, like, this year. Where she finally had structure and rules. With her life finally back on track, Drew began to focus on her acting despite all of the struggles she would face trying to revitalize her career. Oof. So we're get, <laughs> we're getting ready for her 
first renaissance. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I love that there's more than one. I know, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to chapter four. This is really an exciting one because this covers the years 1991 through 1995, which seems Some like- big years. It seems like a huge difference. Amount of time. Yeah, but it's like just four years or, you know, I it's know. just wild. And then we're going to get closer and be like, that seems like one year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as Drew struggled to support herself, and I just want to say, like, we're talking about working at a coffee shop, working at mm-hmm. a video store, Music Plus, like, yep. these aren't glamorous jobs. Yep. Um, so she realized that the best thing to do was to emancipate from her parents so that she could be considered a legal adult. The emancipation was granted to her right before her 15th birthday. So young. Jeez. She continued auditioning while working miscellaneous jobs, but in her own words, she was, quote, blacklisted beyond belief. Casting directors scoffed at her, but that didn't deter Drew. She was determined to make a comeback. After a few small parts in forgettable films, and waxwork too, Motorama, (laughs) (laughs) she finally landed the title role in Poison Ivy. By the way, Ashley didn't forget those films. I can't forget anything about her. My brain won't let me. (laughs) So Drew correctly intuited that the movie would help her make the leap from child star to adult actress due to its mature themes. Mm -hmm. It also made her a sex symbol at 17. Well, we've talked about that's a little weird. And suddenly she was appearing in racy photo shoots for magazines like Interview and Us. Mm -hmm. Our 1992 episode, we cover that pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I think when we cover Poison Ivy, we'll get into it too. It's it's weird. Like I look at it now and I'm like, she's 17. Why mm-hmm. are, why is this happening? But It was also like weirdly kind of more common then. Oh, it was totally, totally normal and fine. There's also that great episode where that um, podcast talked about Drew mm-hmm. and then talked about Alicia Silverstone. Do you remember what the podcast was? Um, you must remember this. Okay, there you go. It was a great episode, but it just kind of like shows you the kind of yeah, different time. 90s. 90s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and earlier, it's it's not that it's not still happening, but, yeah. you know, it was a different time. <laughs> yeah, it okay. It's weird to say that. It makes me feel old. Yeah. Drew next heavily campaigned for the lead role in Gun Crazy. Director Tamara Davis was at first hesitant to cast Drew, but was immediately won over by her after they met. That makes me think of that interview of her where she's like, so she was just like driving home and just like so enamored with Drew. (laughs) Yeah. So cute. Drew received rave reviews for her performance as well as her second Golden Globe nomination. I know. Her agent, JJ Harris, introduced Drew to one of her other clients, singer and actor Jamie Walters, and the two of them fell in love. Although she had previously had boyfriends, including Corey Feldman and Leland Hayward. This was by far her most serious relationship. Meanwhile, Drew continued to get acting roles. She filmed sci-fi slash horror movie Doppelganger and made a brief foray into television as a regular on a short-lived Aaron Spelling show, 2000 Malibu Road, the cheesiest thing ever. (laughs) Um, That's not on the bio. That's just my commentary. Jamie proposed to Drew when she was 17 and she happily accepted. The wedding never came to be, though, and Jamie broke up with Drew while she was in Vancouver filming yet another Naughty Girl role in the Amy Fisher story. Drew is completely brokenhearted. She also fell out with her mother around this time, and the two of them became estranged. Yeah, and I don't really feel like they ever got back on track. (laughs) Yeah. Not truly, not for any long amount of time. So exactly, so wild. It was like 30 years ago. 
Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Okay. So she found some solace when she was asked to be the new face of guests. Mm -hmm. The campaign was a huge success and showcased Drew's striking sexy poses in magazines and on billboards worldwide. And we do have a great episode on the guest campaign and it's one of our least listened to as we mentioned in our last (laughs) episode. So go, go check that out. Yeah. Um, she then signed on to her friend Tamara Davis's next project, which was an all-female Western called Bad Girls. The production was plagued by endless amounts of trouble, including Tamara being let go as director. Throughout all the chaos, Drew paid close attention to the way producer Linda Opst handled everything. She was inspired, and the first seeds of flower films were planted. Drew shocked the world once again when she married Welsh bar owner Jeremy Thomas in March 1994 at the age of 19. She had only been dating him briefly, and the wedding was a completely spur-of-the-moment decision. It may be one of her only regrets in life, and later it was revealed that the main purpose of the marriage had been to get Jeremy a green card. She left immediately after the wedding to begin filming on Boys on the Side, and divorce papers were filed by Drew after 29 days of marriage. So that was kind of a little flash in the pan this year, but you know. yeah, it's definitely <laughs> worth mentioning. And I remember when they talk about this in one of the shows, I think it might be celebrity profile. They're like, she filed them for irreconcilable differences. <laughs> Once again, you just, you just pull these out. It's so great. <laughs> Around this time, Drew met whole guitarist, Eric Erlinson when she threw up on his shoes outside of a club as a result of food poisoning. Shortly after she went to Seattle to begin filming Mad Love, their paths crossed yet again. The two of them soon fell in love and became an item. Also in Seattle, Drew met Nancy Javonin, the sister of one of the movie's production assistants. Upon returning to Los Angeles, Drew called Nancy and dared her to relocate to start a production company together, along with (laughs) Drew's former assistant, Kim Greitzer. Flower Films was born, and the business partners spent their time learning everything they could about the industry. The company started small with the laundry room in Drew's house acting as their first office. That's <laughs> so cute. Although the early projects they developed, All She Wanted and Like a Lady, to name a few, never came to fruition, they were gaining the experience that would prove valuable in the future. Literally valuable. Cha-ching, Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yep. And I, I'm just noticing too, like how many like the throwing up on the shoes, like how many stories, like little legendary stories Drew has. Oh, I know. (laughs) On a personal level, Drew was happier than ever before. Her relationship with Eric flourished and she had finally made peace with her father. With a newfound comfort in her skin and a feeling of freedom, she posed nude for Playboy magazine. She followed that up with a striptease at a New York club and playful desktop dance for longtime crush David Letterman's birthday that culminated in flashing him legendary also (laughs) she had a small part in 1995 summer blockbuster batman forever which was released a few weeks after mad love and modeled for mew mew international print ads so those are like three huge things oh my gosh that we just like had to just cram into a sentence (laughs) well yeah and that's why we have a whole episode on 1995 (laughs) yeah no kidding Suddenly, Drew was very much in demand, which led to the biggest gift, quote unquote, she'd ever been given. Woody Allen cast her against type as a good girl in his ensemble film, Everyone Says I Love You. I almost feel like, do we need to like take that out now? I know. She has said like, she regrets like being duped into thinking that was the best thing in the world, like working with him. Well, a lot of people felt that way. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was like a particular honor to be like, 
a woman who was cast in Woody Allen film. Like, I mean, if nothing else. And considering how much she loves Annie Hall. Yeah. And I, I still love Annie Hall, but it's like that that human being has been, yeah. you know, found to be quite terrible. Um, but I will say like her being cast as that type was the first time really as a you know not a child (laughs) to be cast as a good girl it's just kind of cool and it's a fun she looks really cute in that movie oh I like that movie but yeah it's too bad that there's this dark storm cloud over it (laughs) that's true she finished out the year in New York filming that and wishful thinking she had done so much living and made so many accomplishments all before even celebrating her 21st birthday crazy Jesus. i'm like wait she was already 21 nope she wasn't <laughs> nope. she's still a little baby howdy, howdy droomies we want to tell you about our sponsor positive medium we've actually been clients of theirs for at least 10 years and they take care of all of our website needs for the Drusium.com. They offer custom web design and professional coding, search engine optimization, marketing, and hosting. So we've been hosted by them, but we've also been able to take advantage of a lot of their expertise in these other areas as well. Absolutely. So customer service is the biggest draw for us with this company. They have saved our site literally from obliteration (laughs) quite a few times. But then they also help us with minor issues in just like literally a matter of minutes. So if we have like a coding question or just like something on the back end we can't figure out, we reach out to them and we get an answer back and the issue is solved within moments. We're so excited that Positive Medium is allowing us to offer our listeners 25% off managed WordPress hosting plans using our promo code DREW, D-R-E-W, of course. Um, And if you want to take advantage of this, visit positivemedium.com. We really, really vouch for these people. They've been so great to us and will continue to be great to us, I I can only imagine. (laughs) I mean, they're great by offering this to our listeners. So take advantage. Again, it's promo code DREW, of course. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's go on to chapter five. More big stuff. We are in 1996 through 2000. Again, like that feels like so much time. Yes, it does. Yes. And this is another, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this period. Yeah. Like when Ashley and I became fans is right in this realm. (laughs) The most important thing of all in this time. (laughs) Are we in our bio? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? All right. So after completing wishful thinking and everyone says, I love you for Miramax, another name that we might want to just kind of am Bob Weinstein (laughs) still though, (laughs) presented another project to Drew, the horror films that would become Scream. (laughs) Uh, Drew loved the script and signed on to play the lead and her involvement persuaded Wes Craven to attach himself as director. So cool. Yeah. Oh, RIP Wes. So before filming began, Drew decided it might be more fun and interesting to play the victim in the film's chilling opening scene and yet still promote the film as if she was starring in it. It was a savvy decision as her scene instantly became iconic and unforgettable, and I don't use those terms lightly, (laughs) and the film's huge success further proved that she could be a bankable star. I love that you took that paragraph. I know, right? Totally accidentally (laughs) as if we planned it. If you haven't listened to our Scream episode, it's like near and dear to our hearts because it's one of Ashley's faves. So Ah, thanks. (laughs) Check out that episode. Yes. Okay. So personally, Drew encountered a few setbacks when business partner Kim Greitzer decided to move on and leave Flower Films 
in the care of just Drew and Nancy Javonen. She and Eric Erlinson also amicably parted ways, most likely due to their busy schedules. <laughs> also, I'm like, how where did we come up with that idea? <laughs> There's a pretty small window between Eric and the next part, but go on. (laughs) Perhaps to help fill a void, Drew adopted two lab chow puppies from a flea market and named them Flossie and Templeton. Just to plug another episode, our pets episode, check it out. (laughs) She also began working with the Female Health Foundation and continued her involvement with the Wildlife Way Station. She was cast in two small films, Best Men and Home Fries. Her romantic lead in both films was actor Luke Wilson, and when they met, it was immediately love at first sight. Those camel shoes. (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) All right, so Drew and Flower next went after Adam Sandler. This is so funny. I'm like, we have an episode about that. We have an episode about that. I know. (laughs) But they had been long hoping to collaborate with him. Adam had a project called The Wedding Singer that was a perfect fit. The two of them formed a special friendship and their chemistry radiated on screen. It was Drew's first leading lady role in a romantic comedy and would be another box office blockbuster, officially cementing her back on Hollywood's A-list. She was able to use her star power to bring the Cinderella story ever after to the screen in the way she had envisioned. She convinced Angelica Houston to play the part of the stepmother and also snagged the Amy Fisher story director, Andy Tennant. She was insistent that her character, Danielle, not wait to be rescued and instead fight for the things she believed in as a more powerful Cinderella. We love Ever After. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I should probably stop plugging ourselves. But Literally you know like every. <laughs> yep. After the experiences on Scream, The Wedding Singer and Ever After, Drew and Nancy finally felt ready to tackle their first official production. They had read the script for Never Been Kissed and fell in love with the story. Drew did double duty by playing the lead role in the film while simultaneously overseeing all the other facets of the movie. The cast and crew raved about how professional Drew was, while at the same time, a complete joy to work for. The filming finished on time and under budget. It would go on to gross more than double what it cost to make, proving she and her team had done their homework. Drew's popularity skyrocketed and she became a major role model for young girls all over the world, like Ashley and Anne. <laughs> I know, I was like, are you kidding us? <laughs> All right. While 1999 saw Drew earn her first producer credit, it also marked the end of her three-year relationship with Luke Wilson, at least officially. They might have been on and off for a bit. (laughs) Um, As with most of her breakups, they remained friends and would continue working together in future projects. There were also three new additions to her life, a puppy that she would name Vivian, Vivian, (laughs) Um, a beautiful farmhouse in the Hollywood Hills, and a new assistant in the form of Chris Miller. Hi, Chris. (laughs) I feel like there should be like some sound effect there. (laughs) Yeah, we needed to use our 50th episode sound there, which neither of us know what we did. So we (laughs) made our own new one. (laughs) Anyway, we love you, Chris. Chris and Drew instantly clicked, and he would be one of the most important people, not only to Drew, but to Flower Films as well. At the Never Been Kissed premiere, Drew met The Simpsons creator Matt Groening and his assistant Claudia De La Roca. A few weeks later, they approached Flower with an animated Christmas TV special called Olive the Other Reindeer. On the movie, Drew did her first voiceover work since 1985's Star Fairies. 
Yeah, that's that, <laughs> that classic. <laughs> and Flower Films received their second credit. Oh, I always kind of forget about that when I'm like Me thinking too. of all of Flower Films movies. Oh, yeah. look, look at us. <laughs> and then within the year, she also lent her voice talents to the sci-fi animated film Titan AE. I've only seen that once. What about you? Yeah, I think only once. I barely <laughs> remember it. I remember at one point, like, wanting to get the toy of her character. And yeah. I don't know if I ever did. Same. Because <laughs> it was like, it doesn't look like her. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know if you I'm actually happy I don't have it, honestly. <laughs> at this point, yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay, meanwhile, Flower's most massive undertaking was already in the works. A big budget revamping of the 1970s television show, Charlie's Angels. Drew and Nancy fought hard to greenlight energetic McGee as director on the project. Another, we love yep. <laughs> And Drew herself convinced Cameron Diaz to sign on as one of the other angels, which was an old friend of hers. We didn't mention it in this, but they had met when Drew was like, seems like maybe 14? freshly emancipated. <laughs> yeah, 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 like <laughs> right in that period. Um, the search for the third angel was finally completed when they met Lucy Liu. The three ladies quickly bonded and formed a lifelong friendship, despite the picture that media tried to paint of onset feuds. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Drew also enlisted Tom Green to play a part in the film as she was a big fan of his MTV show. Quickly, her admiration turned into love and the relationship <laughs> was often played out in the public eye. Drew stood by his side when he was diagnosed with testicular cancer and they were soon living together in her house. Shortly before Charlie's Angels opened, they got engaged after a difficult shoot, Drew and Nancy were able to breathe a huge sigh of relief when the movie became a gigantic hit all around the world. <laughs> I mean, that's an understatement. Yeah. I'm it's yeah. like still intimidated by the idea of doing a Charlie's Angels episode because there's just so much. Yes. So much. Totally. Uh, we'll get there eventually, though, because it'll be yeah. fun. So as usual, Drew kept busy preparing for her next acting and producing projects. Flower Films turned their attention to a small project that Nancy had discovered called Donnie Darko. We love it. Mm-hmm. Flower believed in the film and helped save it from oblivion with Drew taking a small part as a high school teacher. Meanwhile, Drew filmed the biopic Writing in Cards with Boys. She went through rigorous auditions for the lead role of Beverly. The storyline required her to age from 15 to 36 on stage and utilize her dramatic skills more heavily than she had in years. Playing the role of a single mom gave Drew a new perspective on what her own mother, Jade, had gone through. Drew reached out to her and they began to see each other again, but the reconciliation would be short-lived. As usual with them. (laughs) As usual, yes. (laughs) Jumping into chapter six, 2001 to 2005. In February 2001, misfortune struck when Drew's house caught on fire. The barks of Flossie allowed Drew and fiancé Tom Green to escape unharmed, but she lost many belongings along with her home. Always the optimist, Drew tried to look at the incident as a fresh start and turned her attention to planning her wedding to Tom. The two were married on July 7, 2001, on an oceanside cliff in Malibu, with all of their closest friends and family in attendance. Sadly, the union would not last much longer than her previous marriage. Tom filed for divorce in December of that same year. And not to plug another episode, but our weddings episode is really good and goes into both of these, all three of our weddings. <laughs> yes. Good point. Yes. And I always plug ourselves at least, at least once per chapter. <laughs> once per paragraph. Yes. Once um, per paragraph. <laughs> That's more like it. In October, Donnie Darko and Writing in Cars with Boys were released a week apart, which is like crazy. crazy. We were so spoiled back then. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the former only received a limited release and barely registered at the box office. But like I said, I went inside in that movie theater in Los Feliz. <laughs> yep. But it went on to become a widely respected cult classic. 
Drew's hard work on writing in Cars with Boys paid off when her performance was critically very well received. She next began filming another role she had long sought after in George Clooney's directorial debut, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, opposite her Charlie's Angels co-star, Sam Rockwell. Oh, I can't wait to cover that movie. We should do that sometime soon. Yeah, that'd be fun. I really love that one. And I feel like it's kind of a lesser, it's not one of the ones people Mm -hmm. think of. In fact, I forgot it in my best favorite performances list, even though it's only one of my favorites. That's right. Anyway. She simultaneously lends the dark comedy duplex with Ben Stiller, on which Flowers shared producing responsibilities with Ben's production company. Meanwhile, Drew celebrated the 20th anniversary of E.T., which was re-released in theaters all over the world to commemorate the legacy of the lovable alien. And we (laughs) went and saw that together. Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, She also purchased a new home in the Hollywood Hills with a colorful history that included temporarily housing the members of her favorite band, The Beatles. So cool. That house. (laughs) And also Dave Crosby, who ended up later being her sponsor after we had also there's like pictures of him there with the Beatles. It's really I know. I like such a cool thing. Totally cool. I wonder if she's ever seen those. I know. That would probably blow her mind if she hadn't. That's the next thing we'll give her a framed picture I like of. It. <laughs> then she'll be like super sad because that house is gone. I know. It's like, <laughs> well, do we want to remind her? Not gone, but not hers. <laughs> not hers anymore. Yes. Also in 2002, Drew met Fabrizio Moretti, the drummer of the band The Strokes. The two quickly became an item and they remained attached for several years. It wasn't long before false engagement rumors started circulating. Those rag mags. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there they go, the rag mags. Before the year was over, Drew, Cameron, Lucy, McGee, and Flower jumped back into Charlie's Angels gear as they filmed its big-budget sequel, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Promotion for the film took the Angels all around the world, and they graced the covers of magazines for months in preparation for the release. That's an understatement. (laughs) Although the wildly fun sequel wasn't as successful as the first film, it remains an exciting experience for Drew in the action movie genre. Drew also re-teamed with Adam Sandler for the romantic comedy 51st Dates, which they filmed in Hawaii. Once again, their chemistry worked box office magic, and the movie was a gigantic hit. On February 3rd, 2004, just prior to its release, I'm laughing because we have an episode about this too, (laughs) Drew was finally honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame for her nearly 30 years in the business. Fab, Nancy, and Chris were all in attendance at the ceremony, and Sony Pictures chairman Amy Pascal gave a wonderful speech about Drew's contribution to the industry over the years. Drew was touched to be in the company of her five relatives who also have stars, as well as the proximity to her grandfather's profile (laughs) in the cement in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater. That same year, Drew decided to educate herself and young people about the voting process through directing the documentary, The Best Place to Start. It aired on MTV as part of their Choose or Lose program to encourage youth voting. Shortly following, she and good friend Jimmy Fallon filmed Fever Pitch. And hey, this is cool. I'm going to be at Fenway Park in two days. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Like by the time this airs, you'll have gone. Hopefully we'll share some photos. Location photos, maybe. (laughs) During filming, Drew's father passed away at the age of 72. That's just a quick change to this exciting thing. I didn't mean to, you know, go from happy at Fenway. All right. Drew's father passed away at the age of 72. In the months prior, she had been visiting him in a Santa Monica hospital with Fab by her side. She later spoke about their reconciliation, explaining how she had finally gotten closure and the knowledge that he was proud of her. I guess they didn't have irreconcilable. (laughs) 
Sorry. They had, they had reconcilable differences. Sorry, yes. I do. It's a callback. <laughs> yeah, it's a callback. It's very good. Oh, we we have a lot of love for that. Um, those final moments, and we're so happy she had those. I'm not making fun yes. of that at all. Yes, yes. Okay. The following year, Drew was honored with the Distinguished Decade in Film Award at Show West, and Fever Pitch was released in theaters. A long way from Miu Miu in 1995, she became the face of two other major companies' campaigns. She appeared in ads for Lancome makeup in department stores and magazines through spring and fall, and she also starred in commercials for Baskin Robbins ice cream, which aired in Korea. They were so cute. Yeah, it was such a like weird little thing, but so cute. The same year, she filmed the Las Vegas gambling drama Lucky You and made a brief appearance in the heartwarming documentary My Date with Drew. The documentary featured a lifelong fan of Drew's jumping through hoops to get a date with the actress. Throughout the year, she was spotted supporting Fab's band The Strokes at several concerts, despite her busy schedule. Oh, so she and Fab could do that, not her and Eric. (laughs) (laughs) She also took her first of many trips to Africa at the end of this year, beginning a journey toward what would become her most passionate cause. All right. And what was that? <laughs> da, da, da. Hang, on. Hang on. We're going to tell you. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Chapter seven, 2006 to 2010. The previous year, Drew had quietly gotten involved in the UN's World Food Program. In the April 2006 issue of Marie Claire magazine, she shared the story and photos of her recent travels through Africa assisted the WFP with feeding school children. She had been searching for a philanthropic cause she was passionate about and felt like she had finally found her calling with the WFP. Alongside her charity work, she kept herself busy with the release of Curious George, for which she lent her voice talents, and modeling in a stunning set of ads for Missoni 2006 spring and summer line. Oh, those were so cool. Love those. <laughs> so we both were cool. like, uh, we had to talk uh, about that real quick. Yes. <laughs> she then headed to New York to film music and lyrics with Hugh Grant, which was executive produced by Drew's flower film partner, Nancy Devonin. That's interesting. So Drew didn't produce that one. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I kind of forgot about that. At the beginning of 2007, it was announced that Drew and Fabrizio Moretti had ended their nearly five-year relationship. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, a newly single Drew appeared ever positive as she did press for the releases of music lyrics and Lucky You. She was selected by People Magazine as Most Beautiful and then announced as the latest face of CoverGirl as well as co-creative director for the makeup company. The campaign included magazine ads and TV commercials featuring a fresh and fun Drew. Those commercials were so great. Yeah, they were. She was also chosen by another major fashion house to be featured in their campaign, this time for Gucci's jewelry line. So it's kind of wild. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, me too. That was like such a quick one, but it's like, I'm pretty sure there was nothing in between Mew Mew and Lancome, which is crazy. And then it's like so many, and now she does ads for everything under the sun yeah no kidding bingo blitz baby (laughs) Uh, flower films began work on their next project the ensemble piece he's just not that into you many notable names appeared in the movie including ben affleck jennifer aniston and scarlett johansson drew herself also took a small role and began spending time off screen with another of the film's stars justin long drew and justin had met years prior via their mutual friend sam rockwell and sparks (laughs) flew between them during filming Once she wrapped, Drew took on one of her most challenging and exciting roles to date, that of little Edie Beale in the dramatization of the mother and daughter from the famous documentary Grey Gardens. Drew completely immersed herself in the part and engaged in vocal training and prosthetic makeup to become Edie. 
Many were skeptical of Drew's ability to pull it off, but her dedication prevailed. Yeah, it did and paid off. We'll get to that. <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, so although Drew didn't appear in any on-screen roles in 2008, she went behind the microphone again to voice the title dog in Beverly Hills Chihuahua after being offered the part by her Never Been Kissed director, Raja Gosnell. And that's the part that I like didn't remember until I read it in our own biography. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> good tidbit. Yeah. Thanks, Ashley. <laughs> Thanks, former me. Yeah. <laughs> She continued to be active with the WFP and gained publicity for the cause when she personally donated $1 million to the foundation on the Oprah Winfrey show. That was so nice. cool. I totally yeah. kind of forgot about that. I did too. On the personal front, she and Justin were reported to have split up after less than a year. However, most of her time that year was spent preparing for her next movie, Whip It!, Drew had fallen in love with the coming-of-age story set in the world of roller derby and realized it was just the project she'd been awaiting for her directorial debut. Besides stepping into the role of director, she also served as producer and had a small part in the film so she could engage in all the training with the other females in the cast. She wrapped up the year by filming a supporting role as Robert De Niro's daughter in Everybody's Fine. There are so many movies in this area where I'm like, I think I've seen that once. Yeah, like, same. Seen that once. Same. Like Whip It, Whip It, I've seen a bunch, but everybody's yeah. fine. Like once, maybe once. for sure. Uh, even He's Just Not That Into You, I think I've only seen once. Yep. Lucky You, Music and Lyrics, like all of those, I'm like, I probably need to revisit, but it's like a weird, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, we'll, we'll give ourselves an excuse. That's why we started the podcast. Exactly. Speaking of podcast episodes, we did an episode on 2009. I'm going to talk <laughs> a little bit about how crazy that was. 2009 was an exciting year of releases for Drew. He's Just Not That Into You performed well at the box office, and Grey Gardens aired on HBO to rave reviews, particularly highlighting Drew's performance. Then it was announced that Drew and Justin had signed on as the leads in the long-distance relationship romantic comedy Going the Distance. Once again, they began to be seen together, and it was apparent that they had rekindled their relationship, although neither would admit it to the press. After completing filming, Drew began a national tour promoting the release of Whip It. She visited cities like Boston and Detroit to meet with fans and screen the movie. Although the film didn't do well in ticket sales, it was well-received by both critics and moviegoers. New fans continued to discover and fall in love with the movie to this day. As expected, Drew began to receive award nominations for her work in Grey Gardens, including an Emmy, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and a Golden Globe. She lost out on the Emmy to her co-star Jessica Lange, but was chosen as the winner of the latter two. It was a dream come true for Drew, as she'd never received such major recognition for her acting. The Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation also honored her with the Glad Vanguard Award. Drew and Justin quietly parted ways, but their close friendship was still evident as they promoted the release of Going the Distance. Within a year after she lost her dogs, Templeton and Vivian, she mm. suffered the loss of her fluffy cloud flossy of old age. Oh, mm. even just saying it, I'm like, I'm getting no. emotional. Yeah. But a new rescue dog named Douglas helped ease the pain. At the end of 2010, she made the trek to Alaska to film Big Miracle based on the true story of three California blue whales stuck under the ice in the 1980s and the struggle to help break them free. Drew spent the remainder of the year on the set of what was to be her last acting job for some time. Unexpectedly, she would begin to focus on other endeavors in the coming years. That's another movie I've seen once. <laughs> Big miracle. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. What's happened to the last 20 years? Like, so I mean, I know it hasn't weird. been 20. I'm just, I'm just rounding but up, you know? Practically, I know. It's I like, know. we don't even sound like true fans. I've seen that movie once. I don't remember it. Maybe we shouldn't admit it. <laughs> 
2011 to 2015. In early 2011, Drew finished up filming Big Miracle in Alaska and returned to L.A. Soon after, she was spotted with art dealer Will Kopelman on several occasions. It quickly became clear that the two of them had become an item, but Drew uncharacteristically kept the relationship quiet. As she had no acting jobs lined up, she focused on a variety of other ventures. In May, she traveled to Africa with the World Food Program again. This time, she was able to see how money she donated had financed a borehole for villagers' water supply, as well as a construction of a new primary school. Drew continued working behind the camera when she took on directing duties for music video for the band Best Coast Song, Our Deal. More of a short film. The video starred many up-and-coming young actors portraying dueling gangs and star-crossed lovers in a storyline conceived by Drew herself. Another thing we have a good episode on. <laughs> yes, we do, and it's a real fun video if you haven't seen it. Yep. Soon after, Demon Marcus announced she would be the face of their Art of Fashion campaign. Oh, <laughs> speaking of cool things. I know. Like... <laughs> she was only the second actress to ever be chosen to star in the ads, which consisted of a 16-page spread. 16 pages. In magazines like Vogue. Oh, my God. So good. And the first actress was Jennifer Jason Lee. Just a little... Oh, I was just going to say, do you know who it was? (laughs) Yeah, I used to have that. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Flower Films prepped a reboot of the Charlie's Angels TV series, but unfortunately it was canceled after only seven episodes due to low ratings. However, Drew herself was about to be seen on TV screens. TCM, Turner Classic Movies, revealed that she would co-host the 2012 season of The Essentials with Robert Osborne. The episodes aired over the following year, and viewers were able to watch some of the films that greatly influenced Drew and hear her thoughts on them, including movies starring the famous Barrymores who came before her. I was really into watching that when it, um, that was back when I had a TiVo. <laughs> yes, I would like record yeah. them. And like, I watched a lot of the movies too. I guess I just, well, Mila was a baby, so I just had yeah. more free time on my hands. I don't yeah. know. Like, I can't believe I had the time to watch a bunch of the movies, but it was That's cool so to be introduced cool. to them that way. Yeah, totally. There are plenty of movies that are on her list for those that I'm like, I will watch that and I will try to find yeah. like her intros and her comments. Like, so cool. TCM has such great programming. Yep. Over the holidays, Drew and Will got engaged to be married. Drew positively glowed while promoting the release of Big Miracle, and soon it was rumored that she was pregnant. Classy as ever, she declined to publicly comment on it, opting to keep the experience private. She did, however, confirm that she's been working on a wine label for the past few years. Bottles of Barrymore wine Pinot Grigio debuted in restaurants and in store shelves in spring 2012 to much acclaim. She also began to concentrate much more on obtaining work as a photographer, something she had been working towards for over a decade. Fashion magazines, including Versus and V, hired her for editorial work with actresses and musicians, including Rachel McAdams and Mayor Hawthorne. She also was chosen to shoot a special Tommy Hilfiger ad campaign starring Charlotte Gainsbourg. And we also have a great episode of her photography. It's in our uh, Find It in Everything episode. We did a whole segment on the rest of her photography as well. Yep, totally. I love that. I love uh-huh. that we're just, we're so on top of it. We just talk about everything, guys. <laughs> we are thorough. If Drew's involved. <laughs> On June 2nd, Drew and Will were married in the backyard of her Santa Barbara home. Those closest to her, including Steven Spielberg, Cameron Diaz, and Flowers Nancy Javonin and Chris Miller were all in attendance. Will's family opened their arms to Drew, and she felt blessed to be part of their family. She spent the next few months quietly with her new husband, during which she filmed the 2013 season of The Essentials. 
On September 26th, they welcomed their daughter, Olive Barrymore Kopelman, into the world. The couple released a statement asking for privacy during this special time in their lives. They kept mm-hmm. little Olive out of the public eye for more than two months before choosing to release exclusive family photos to People Magazine. And I just want to put a little note in there. Like, part yeah. of the reason that people do that is so that the paparazzi won't be trying to get the first exclusive shot. I know. It's such a weird thing. It's like, it but it makes so much sense. Yep. Before the year was up, Drew announced another little project she'd been cooking up, a cosmetics line called Flower Beauty, which hit Walmart (laughs) stores in early 2013 to much acclaim. Thankfully, Flower Beauty is still here. I know, finally one that's still around. Actually, (laughs) I just made a purchase today. I had an Ulta gift card and I had only spent some of it and I was low on mascara and I was like, hey, I'll get some more stuff. 20% off today was perfect. (laughs) Perfect. I got one of those little clicking uh, lip things. You- oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. How do you like it? I haven't, it hasn't come yet. I just ordered it. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait to click it because yours <laughs> made it look really fun. <laughs> it does seem like it would be satisfying. You'll have to, you'll have to report back. I'll come click it on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what this is? Click, 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 click. That's a whole episode. This is, this is guess. This is the guess episode. It's just guess what the click is. All right. Before long, word began to circulate that she and Adam Sandler were teaming up again. Sure enough, in May, the two of them headed to South Africa to begin filming the mixed family comedy Blended. A few months after filming completed, Drew confirmed that she was pregnant with her second child. In early 2014, Drew released a book of her own photography of heart-shaped things titled Find It and Everything, which ended up on the New York Times bestseller list. On April 22nd, her and Will's second daughter, Frankie Barrymore Kopelman, was born. A mere three weeks later, Drew was off on a whirlwind press tour to promote the release of Blended. Soon after, she headed to England to film the upcoming Miss You Already alongside Tony Collette. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like when they were really, really little babies, I feel like she was like, ah, I can still act. And then she suddenly was like, no, I can't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And speaking of like another two movies, I think I've only seen once, Blended and Miss You Already. Same, same, man. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Listen, we're old school fans, okay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Drew spent most of 2015 staying busy promoting Barrymore Wines and Flower Beauty. The latter line branched out to develop a line of flower eyewear, and Drew appeared in cute commercials to sell them at Walmart. She rounded out the year with the release of Miss You Already, which took her to London and Australia for premieres and press. Then on October 27, 2015, she released a book of autobiographical essays entitled Wildflower. The book was full of many stories from her colorful life, both new and familiar to longtime fans, and made it onto the New York Times bestsellers list. Oh, I love Wildflower. <laughs> Me too. We, I feel so fortunate that we have that, but we're still waiting for her next book. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Final chapter. Let's do this. All right. And we just kind of published the newest version of this. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you have checked out our biography before, make sure you come check out our newest page. 2016 to now. In early 2016, it was announced that Drew had signed on to star in a Netflix original series entitled Santa Clarita Diet, her first time starring in a TV series since 1992's 2000 Malibu Road. She and Flower Films were set to produce, along with her co-star, Timothy Oliphant. Little was known about the the show, and the filming was kept under wraps over the course of the summer. Before filming began in April, it was revealed that Drew and Will were divorcing. Drew would later say that this was one of the darkest and most difficult times in her life. 
Regardless, she and Will were still committed to remaining a family for their girls. In fact, a short time later, Drew guest starred on Odd Mom Out, the show created and starring Will's sister, Jill. Drew remains close with the Copelman family to this day. March 2017 saw the debut of Santa Clarita Diet, in which Drew plays an undead wife and mother with a hunger for human flesh. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to rewatch that. Me neither. Uh, It's so good. She shared that playing the strong and confident Sheila helped lift her up post-divorce. Drew continued to promote her many brands, including the release of a Barrymore Wines Rosé, new flower beauty products, and a newspaper called Flower Press. She also partnered with Crocs as part of their Come As You Are campaign. Always the busy bee, she added one more project to her slate, a clothing and accessory line called Dear Drew. Oh, we were just talking about that. (laughs) Uh, The brand was sold through Amazon as well as a darling pop-up store in New York City, which we so wish we had gotten to visit. Wouldn't that have been cool? 2018 was a fairly quiet year in Drew's professional life. She spent her time promoting Dear Drew and creating a lot of content for Flower Beauty, particularly with makeup and beauty influencers. There was so much cool content. She appeared on some of their YouTube channels and organized trips and events with them as guests. The second season of Santa Clarita Diet was released on Netflix, much to the excitement of many fans, the many fans the show garnered. This same year, Drew quietly sold her longtime Los Angeles home to make the full-time move to New York to be closer to Will's family. She wrapped up the year filming the third and final season of Santa Clarita Diet, which premiered in March 2019. Simultaneously, she was appearing on TV screens as a judge on The World's Best, a talent competition show alongside RuPaul and Faith Hill. Flower brands continued to expand with the introduction of Flower Home, a home decor line exclusively at Walmart that reflected Drew's passion for interior design and its fun mm-hmm. and stylish items. And uh, <laughs> much like we were mentioning before earlier yes. in the episode, it's sort of like this is morphing into beautiful their yes. home items, <laughs> which is absolutely. Cool. Drew finished out the year filming dual roles in the stand-in, <laughs> which I have still not seen. And I can't wait for you to watch it. I really, really want to talk about it. We should just have like a live watching of it. That would be interesting. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Although it was a Flower Films production, Drew did not promote its on-demand release in late 2020. In fact, it's kind of like it never happened. (laughs) A little bit. The next few years saw Drew branching out into many new endeavors. Rumors were swirling that she may host her own talk show, and the Drew Barrymore show debuted in September 2020. Because the show was launched during the COVID-19 pandemic, Drew and her team found innovative ways to work around the restrictions through virtual guests and audiences, which we've done a few times, which uh, was so fun. That was so fun. Yeah, and you've been in a real audience. I have not. That's Moving true. On. <laughs> that same month, Flower Hair Tools hit shelves, a rebrand of Dear Drew Hair Tools. Early the next year, she released Beautiful, a line of kitchenware and appliances, and the aptly titled Drew, her very own quarterly magazine. She then merged her two passions with the release of Rebel Homemaker, a cookbook co-authored with her culinary partner in crime, unquote, Chef Pilar Valdez, and Drew's fourth book. She also partnered with companies like Grove Collaborative and Corn on products she believed in. And during all this, she continued to host and produce three seasons of her increasingly successful daily talk show. Ooh. How cool is it that like we're in that time right now? I know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap it up. 
here's where we're at. So though only in her late forties or 50, as she would call herself now, because she loves to round up. <laughs> yes. And Drew Barrymore has experienced more than most will in a lifetime, like times 10. <laughs> yes. From child star to troubled teen, from comeback kid to America's sweetheart, from free spirit to mother of two, her many evolutions have made her the incredible woman she is. Drew is admired for her positivity, despite what her past dealt her, a past that keeps her grounded. Yet her modesty prevails. For someone who has been in the public eye for nearly her entire life, her grace and professionalism remain intact. Knowing Drew, she'll continue to grow and share her many talents with the world for years to come. Yay! The end! The end. (laughs) Yes. So I hope you were reading along because we've got lots of really cool pictures in each of the chapters. So, you know, it's like, yeah, in this episode, we'll have our episode page, but we'll also have just go to the bio, man. You know, Just do it, man. It's so much cool. You got to kick the bag, man. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you for joining us for our 50th episode for Drew's almost 51st years of her life. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Uh, yes. Thanks, you guys. This was fun. And, you know, if again, if you weren't as familiar with her entire life, this hopefully was a cool summary and like, I didn't know if we could do it in one episode, but I was like, well, we we have it in nine pages. We could probably do it. And so this is just fun. I'm glad we did this and have this sort of like, I feel like this is a good, where should I start with Drew Barrymore? Here, go listen to this episode. Yeah, good <laughs> Although point. there's a lot of like inside jokes that people are probably like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> probably more than we realize. Yeah, even. probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, that's a perfect quote. I know. For those of you who did get it, thank you. (laughs) And I hope you liked it. (laughs) If you did, go rate, review, subscribe. You guys know the drill. Uh, We have a a new review that we will share soon. And if uh, you want to be one of those people whose reviews we share, go put it on Apple Podcasts, please. And then (laughs) go follow us on Instagram at HowDoYouDrewPod. And then as Anne mentioned earlier in the episode at Drewzium, you can see us go through the new issue of Drew Magazine which was a kind of fun thing to do. I feel like I want to do that every time one comes out. That's a great idea. Let's do it. Yeah. Also visit our website, howdoyoudrew.com. I just plugged it a couple of minutes ago. Please go there. It's hosted on our, le- our I almost said legit. It's it also legit. legit. <laughs> <laughs> our legit and OG, thedrewzm.com and send listener mail to howdoyoudrewpod at gmail.com. And my question to take us out is, is there anything you're craving right now? It's always food related. <laughs> it is. Um, no, because I just had that wine and then I had one of my chocolate covered cherries. Well, I didn't have one. Well, who am I lying to? <laughs> I had three. I had three. Um, those are like, I think I talked about that. Those are like my- You did? Yeah. I can't get enough of them. It's so bad, but uh, I just had them. So I'm actually feeling really satiated. What about you? That's lovely. I know. I mean, I was just, I was just thinking about chocolate and then you mentioned chocolate. Oh, <laughs> But, but now I'm thinking like like a really good strawberry. Oh, good one. I actually mm. had a strawberry today. Mm. Actually, once again, I didn't have one. Why don't you? <laughs> I had two. Okay. You All had right. a chocolate covered <laughs> strawberry and a, wait, I said strawberry. You know Whatever, what? Those are good too. <laughs> you know what? It, it's late. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everybody. And we will see you next Thursday. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
This episode of the How Do You Drew podcast was researched and produced by Ashley and Anne from thedrewseum.com with help from our sponsor, Positive Medium. Special thanks to Matt Costa for our lovely theme song, Roxy Prima for our adorable logo, and last but not least, Drew Barrymore and all the Drewbies who love her. We do this for you. Thank Thank you. you.